0: go. Welcome back to the Growing Lean Podcast. This is Ethan Halfide, your host. This is another episode sponsored by Lean Discovery Group, an award-winning software development firm. I'm here with Sam Sam Simmons, who is an NFT strategist and consultant, CEO of MintPass, which is sharing your travels through digital souvenirs. Sam, welcome. Tell the audience a little bit about yourself.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Ethan. I want to say commending you on that introduction that was a mouthful of buzzwords there and you did a brilliant job so thank you for having me and thank you for the introduction uh it's great to be here i uh to to speak a little bit about i want to i'll get to the 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 today's business stuff in a second but quick background on myself uh i come very far away from the world of blockchain uh traditionally from the world of media so i'm based in las vegas nevada and i formally worked with a content production company called Poker Go. We did streaming production distribution of live tournaments and events like the World Series of Poker and uh, many others I'm sure your audience has heard of. And I bounced around for a number of years doing some consulting work. Post that, I say a number of years, but we'll call it two years, Uh, and then came upon this wild world of NFTs as evidenced by this uh, cartoon JPEG behind me. Um, And I really took a liking to it. And for that matter, I, I saw a lot of potential in... NFTs as mechanisms for fandom and bringing people closer through community to what they love. And really that comes from my background in poker. That was my job is super serving poker fans through content. And NFTs to me were a solve to make that experience better, both for the brand side of things and the fan side of things. So I, in a very irresponsible fashion, dropped everything that I was doing in the traditional world and went full time into the uh, the blockchain space. And particularly by NFTs, as as you alluded to in the strategy and uh, consultant side of things. And that's led me to what I'm doing today, which is I recently announced uh, my new startup project called MintPass, where when I got into this world, I basically said, okay, what is the thing that people love that we can make better by way of NFTs? And that is what MintPass is for the realm of travel. And essentially what it is, is alluded to by the digital souvenirs is it's a bit like a Pokemon Go collecting experience, where as you're going about your travels, you have opportunities to authenticate your experiences and collect these these artifacts in the form of digital memories, which become an archive, a repository, if you will, of all these travels that you've had over time. And then in aggregate, that becomes a full picture of experiences that in and of itself becomes a means for identity. And we think that the things that you've done say as much about you as the experience yourself as they do about you as a person. And we wanna create a a destination for that. So what it is is it's it's a way to showcase your travels through digital souvenirs. And then we're going to be unlocking cool AI mechanisms to basically curate travel recommendations to you based upon your trash, your past travel experiences. So all in all, a lot of cool tech that makes travel better is what we're doing.
0: That's incredible. Wow. I mean, that was extremely concise, honestly, like for something I was going to ask for something that's so complex and so hard to comprehend. You say that very simply. You must be fundraising right now. Are you? (laughs)
1: <laughs> you you want to see the deck yeah. <laughs> no, we, we are, we take are, my money indeed, right now <laughs> yeah, we, are, we are indeed fundraising uh, but yeah I and mean, that's and that's the fun part about the the NFT side of things is it's very complicated technology but at the end of the day the reason why we should be using the technology is to make experiences better so I try to keep focus on the experience as opposed to the back-end technology so in fact I've said NFT a lot already but I actually try not to and if, and if I were to send you our pitch deck none of it has anything to do with NFTs. It's all about that front-end experience. And that's ultimately where, you know, the value comes into play.
0: Love it. Love it. And walk us through, you know, this is kind of the question that I ask every guest and you've already kind of touched on it, but in more depth, walk us through your business strategy. What was the overall business strategy? User signs up, what happens from there?
1: Yeah, so... Essentially, the user signs up, and the, the the idea is to capture the user at that moment of impact. Is how I like to think about it. So imagine yourself flying to a new exotic destination you've never been to before, and landing at the airport. And you have sort of you might be you might be jet lagged. I I'm in Vegas on the West Coast. I know when I fly to Europe, I'm I'm having an eight hour time difference. Typically flying overnight, I don't sleep on planes, so I'm getting to the airport exhausted. But you have this buzz and energy that just lets you ride out the day, and you're you're groggy, but you're excited. You're you're, you're going through customs, but you're just ready and raring to go the second that you can drop your bags off at the hotel and get moving into this new place that you, that you have yet to experience. So we want to live at that moment and we want to say, okay, now come to our app and we don't want to take away from that IRL experience. We want you to say, you know, check the box and say, I'm here and I, I've now claimed my pass. And what we stand to benefit for you is all of these different unlocks that come into play at that moment of impact. So it might be, in this is, I, I wanna say this is a far off future world, but it might be the ability to unlock different uh, localized and targeted brand benefits and discounts uh, that are native to that specific region. It might be the ability to connect with other people who are in that same region that we can identify by the fact that they've collected passes as well. It might be a, a scavenger hunt experience that allows you to go collect uh, digital collectibles, maybe digital art from that region that then in the process becomes a sightseeing experience in and of itself. So all these cool mechanics that come into play, again, think like the Pokemon Go experience of getting out into the world and collecting things as you go, that then create an overall picture of experience. And then on the back end of that, it is the AI that comes into play. So we know because you did these things that you're apt to also go enjoy doing these things at these and the, this, this and that destination over time. Now, in terms of the business model of that, What we're trying to create is a more premium experience that's powered by the base layer of collectorship. So we allow anyone to come in and start collecting. So unlike a traditional souvenir where you're going into a knickknack store and paying $10, $20 for a snow globe or whatever the case may be, that chances are hundreds, if not thousands, if not tens of thousands of people have also purchased and have sitting in their home, we're allowing you for free to create something that is unique to you and customized to your specific experience. So you tell us about some of the activities that you're doing, maybe even the weather that was there at the time, what your preferences are, the art style, and then we create a forward-facing representation of your experience in such a way that you know is genuinely one-of-one one to your experience, powered by an AI art algorithm that I won't get into the details of today. And then uh, over time, as you as you collect these things, we develop this picture, and then the premium experience comes into play on a paid basis. Once you have you know all of this all of this information gets aggregated, and we offer you basically the like I guess collectorship is free, but then for the premium layer of custom recommendations, uh, specific profile badging, there's different like feature mechanics that will come into play that uh, that allow for an enhanced in-app experience. But that is all to say, it is a freemium type model where it's anyone can come in and participate, but for certain in-app benefits to really get the most of your travel experience through our app, that'll be on a subscription basis.
0: Love it. So, you know, okay. So crypto has gone through a lot of ups and downs, right? And NFTs have subsequently been affected. I'm I'm sure maybe not as much, but talk to me about like, what are the specific challenges or obstacles you're facing within your vertical and how are you overcoming them?
1: Yeah, it's a great question, and I alluded to this earlier in regards to the deck language, in that we try to shy away from the NFT language, and I think inherently, I'll answer to to be more specific, you you downplayed how bad it's been for NFTs because it's actually maybe even worse for NFTs than it has been for crypto at large, uh, at least for for most projects. A lot of them have stood the test of time, but like a lot of people expected in the last hype cycle, about ninety to ninety-five percent of projects overall are basically worthless at this point, which. To be, to be fair, and despite having taken a lot of hits myself in terms of my collecting as a little bit of a you know side passion of mine, it's good for the industry at large. And I think there was a bit of a madness, craze, insanity, whatever you want to call it, in that 2021 to early 2022 era when we were seeing these big headlines about JPEGs being exchanged for massive sums of dollars without a real rationale behind it. And in hindsight, I'm very thankful when I got I got into this world about two years ago in 2021. Like a lot of people, and a lot of people's first instinct was, you know, let's let's make a let's, let's make a a, a cartoon based collection that could be your profile picture, sell it for a few hundred dollars, sell 10,000 of them, and make a quick two million dollars. And we've quickly found out that there wasn't much staying power to that business model. So I'm I'm glad in hindsight that I didn't jump to do anything in in the in the industry at that point, and I let this concept mature on the back end. And for that matter, it's, it's changed my understanding of what it is that we need to do to create value, which is create something that stands to benefit people regardless of market conditions. And I think it's the mistake a lot of crypto projects make is that they rely on market cycles to dictate the health of their business at large. And so they'll build in a bear market, they'll say, and then when the bull market comes, they pump their marketing, everyone's interested. And a lot of times the interest comes from a place of speculation. And then they either need to, you know, ownership might liquidate some and, and, you know, get that yacht money banked. Uh, they might sell their project to someone else. They basically take advantage of the the peak uh, in order to avoid the future trough, because inherently when markets go up, they must come down. My stance personally is, and this is what we're doing with MintPass, I want to create something that has value regardless. So it's, I don't know if this exactly answers the question, but what we're really trying to do is separate ourselves from the traditional crypto perception of, when prices are good, we're all happy. When prices are bad, we're not. And we're telling it, like, look, all we're using it for is the, is for the sake of technology. Like what we're, what we're doing to provide value stands to be made better by using this Web3 tech in particular NFTs to create that value. So we're using it insofar as it has value, not because we want it to be a means for speculation, money-making or anything like that. So I try to actually actively distance ourselves from... The crypto side of the equation, and in this case specifically NFTs, I'm I'm talking about it here for the purposes of like the business model and the structure of what it is that we're doing. But I actually see them as quite separate uh, separate topics.
0: Nice, that's actually yeah, that that makes a lot of sense because you know I, I'm I was a little bit into crypto. I was fascinated by it at first, but I didn't really see the tangible use cases in our everyday lives. Right, I saw the value of blockchain and more secure transactions, but I I didn't see it being like interwoven into everyday life. But now I want to ask you, you're the expert on NFTs and, you, you know, you don't give yourself enough credit. It sounds like you are 100% expert in crypto as well. You like to keep it separate. But I want to know, what do you think about the overall industry, the future of the industry? Where do you see NFTs going? Where do you see cryptos going? Do you see it becoming kind of like AI where it's just inevitable? It's, it's part of your everyday life?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I uh, selfishly, I'll say I hope it's inevitable because I've banked a lot on, on the technology at large. So I'm, I'm certainly betting on it in a number of ways. All that being said, the what I always go back to is use case, and I liken crypto to the early internet, where um, I'm trying to think of the best example. But essentially, as I sit here, and this is showing my hand a little bit, as you know, I'm not much of a technologist myself. I believe in like the the use cases of technology, but as I sit here, I could not explain to you in concise words how the internet works, and that's like I think a lot of people would agree with that. Now, what I do understand is that I can go on Amazon.com, order something on Prime and have that delivered to my door within two days, sometimes these days later that afternoon. Like that is wild. And what I believe in is delivery of value and use case. So I don't really care the rails on which that value is delivered, in this case, having an Amazon.com e-commerce storefront where I could buy things and have them delivered to my door very quickly. The same goes for, say, being able to play Warzone with my friends over the weekend or going on Nike.com and buying a custom pair of shoes. Like the output is what matters to me, not the machine through which it operates. And that's what we need to get to with crypto and web three. It is a fantastic technology for delivering value to people, but what we tend to do, and I say we being the crypto industry at large, is we talk about the technology too much, when in fact no one actually cares. So we need to get to a place where we're we're seeing value in the output of what Web3 stands for and what the end consumer is experiencing along the way, as opposed to getting muddied in, here's why you should care about this really intricate, complicated, hard to understand technology, when the learning curve is just so steep to get there, I mean, I'll say frankly, there's there's crypto concepts to this day after being in this space for years, I can't even begin to understand. And I, that's why I, I personally, I almost try to actively not understand them because the second I get too in the weeds is the second that I tend to lose the end consumer. So I like to think from a very high level and think about okay, what is what is that end user experience and how can that made be, that how can that be made better through crypto as opposed to how can we push crypto. On, on unsuspecting customers.
0: Okay, okay. So now I, I'm curious because with your business model too, it seems poised for um, collaborations and integrations with like Expedia and and Kayak and all those good traveling companies. I want to know, you know, what partnerships or collaborations do you see yourself forming to help grow your business?
1: It's a funny question you bring up because it's like that's my my number one sort of task right now. Is that is that partnership outreach and the, the blessing and the curse of it all is that there are so many partnerships for us to be looking at, both with, you know, every, everything in the realm of travel is in play. So thinking about the airlines, uh, hotel chains, uh, uh, experience operators. I think there's a big play in, in traditional loyalty programs. Think of like gaming loyalty, hotel loyalty, credit card loyalty, things of that nature beyond all that and think and then think too like on-site destinations so like like tourism boards uh, destination management organizations they're called like when I land somewhere and I want to have a sort of VIP experience at this new location then I'm at how can we plug in our users to that experience so there's there's a bunch of different ways to look at this and ultimately for me my job is to as all-encompassing as possible make every aspect of the travel experience better and I think of that in three ways from the lead-up from the experience itself to the aftermath. And I think there's really by in a, in a weird way, my least priority is on the experience itself, because there's already such a value proposition around travel experiences. Like I don't think like travel itself beyond, you know, coming out of lockdowns, travel is not broken, like no one needs to necessarily fix travel it can be made better. But travel is what travel is. And people who love travel already love travel, like there's not really that need to have it improved. But I think there's a there's extending the longevity of a travel experience. And then how can that travel experience that you once had continue to accrue value over time to make future travel experiences better? That is really the spot that we want to play in. And to to compare it again to traditional souvenirs, uh, you know, my, my wife and I collect Christmas ornaments and every year we make it a big tradition to hang them up on the tree. And it becomes in a very literal sense, like a, a picture of our experience as you see a you know, a, a mariachi guy from, from Cabo San Lucas here. You'll see the Eiffel Tower from Paris here. And in an aggregate. it's like, look at, all this, look at all this cool stuff that we've done. But how do you, like, make that a part of who you are? How do you, like, scale that experience to other people other than, you know, having a friend's giving, having people into your home around the holidays to check out your little ornaments and knickknacks? So cre- recreating that and making that, like, an element of your digital identity and making it a more, I suppose, like a, a, a more everlasting and long lasting travel experience at large in the planning process and the commemoration of on the back end is where we're, where we're aiming to be. And so the partnerships that come into play there become even more interesting than in the travel itself. And I'm like, I'll stop there because I could go on and on about that angle in particular. I don't want to like take up the rest of the interview, but you can, you can kind of see where we might position the partnership conversations as such.
0: One hundred percent, and I know. Unfortunately, we do have to wrap up here, but I still have a few more questions. What advice would you give to other business owners that, are, or startup founders, let's say specifically in the tech industry that are now starting out, especially in this day and age that people are saying we're in a recession, uh, investors and money is they're becoming more scarce. What would you give them advice on? Bootstrap.
1: One hundred percent. Yeah, no, it's I would, I would for sure say bootstrap. But my biggest advice, which is I did not take myself, and I I regret not taking it, is just do it. And I and that's a cliche because because it's the Nike slogan and all that. But I made the grave mistake of spending too much time trying to think of the right thing to do or wondering if it even was the right thing to do and and, and consuming content and trying to make myself ready when in fact I I was ready the whole time. Or for that matter, more specifically, you'll never be ready to do it, but you end up learning along the way. Like once I decided to hit, hit go and go full send on this project, I'm amazed by in a very short span of time how quickly there's been progress made and how much I have learned along the way. So my advice is rather than try to position yourself to be ready, it's to learn by doing. And so from the standpoint of like financing, yeah, I think there's always, there's always a simplistic way to get to market without needing to raise money. And that comes in the form of, you know, even just as simple as showing traction through user surveys, or especially with AI tools that are available now, being able to scale up and spin up a simple website to generate signups that shows interest in a given concept, which then gives you a proof of concept to potentially go out and raise money against, or find a technical co-founder or technical team to support you with building something that you've proven there's a market for. So there's, there's so many different knobs and levers. I think there's such a traditional sort of picture of what you know tech startups entail, which is having a brilliant idea and then having a VC write you a fat check to have you go build it and then have users come rushing in to come consume your product and you go full moon and you end up on a yacht somewhere but that's not how it actually works and there's there's so many ways to do it in a more scaled back gradual way that are immediately actionable without you needing to necessarily spin wheels find financing or do anything too intricate
0: really good advice really good advice from a man in the trenches right now building right so living it. With the, yeah, with that being said, traction is important and, and people getting in touch with you to learn more about your, your current project and maybe just get to know you personally. How can they stay in touch with you?
1: Yeah. So the if if you want to do me any favors, this alone is is the perfect one, and I'll love you forever for it. You can go to midpass.com to a learn more about everything that I talked about here in a probably better worded way than I've word vomited it on uh, on this session here. But more importantly, you can sign up for a wait list to be the first users to access the platform. So we're taking a very gradual approach. We're going to be opening the platform on a sort of limited basis just to kind of do you know early testing. And inherently by the nature of some of the leaderboard invite-based mechanics that we're planning to have, it will be an advantage to users to be there early. So not to generate too much urgency, but I would say sooner the better. You can get involved is good. So that's available now at midpass.com for anyone that wants to go sign up. And then me personally, I like posting about various business, startup, tech, web three topics, and specifically doing so in the context of memes, which I like to do on LinkedIn and bring some, uh, bring some fresh air to sometimes a very stuffy room. So uh, I'm Sam Simmons there. I think my I think my actual URL is slash Samson Simmons, which is my full name. But either way, if you search me, I'll come up, and you can look for this uh, this profile picture out there. I like to be incognito in the in the public scene, uh, so I'm honored to be on camera for on a rare occasion with you in the session.
0: Awesome, Sam! Thank you so much. This has been awesome.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it.